Kalis is going to get there. There's no question. He squares it. There it is. It's another. And it's Bubba Rodriguez again, scoring goals left and right, at least with the assist. Welcome back to the Houston Dynapod podcast. I'm Finister, your host, and this is take two because my internet sucks all the dicks. With us tonight is a very special guest. His name is Sean Ringrose from Generation Orange. Sean, what's up? Man, uh, what's up? Dynamo breaking transfer fee records for their own, uh, for the club. Uh, getting new players, draft stuff happens. What isn't happening right now? I feel like pre- offseason prepping for preseason. Oh, I'll tell you what's not happening is Reddit. Reddit actually is mildly positive today. Whoa, wait, what? Hold up. Yeah, I went through, you you, <laughs> read, you Redditarians, I went through about 100 of their posts, and uh, the majority of them were positive. It was, uh, it was weird, man. I feel like I'm in the Twilight Zone all of a sudden. Everything feels like the Twilight Zone. You got ownership, keeping promises. Like you said, we smashed our transfer record. We have we're, we're being very undynamo lately. And what do you what do you like? What do you attribute that to? Because to me, pers- like personally, if you if um, it's the new people, it's Pat, it's Mendelson, it's Ted, it's the coaching staff. I, I think in, in you know the the changing culture is is actually happening. We've talked about it, and you know I, I kind of I was here at the tail end of the previous GMs reign of terror so uh, you guys talk about salada and core values and all i know is those are two things that i've never ever partaken in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. never been a salada and i know what core values are but i mean i don't we have them where i work but i also work with tiny people like do regular jobs fucking have that like all right here's our core value number one show up on time no, most most you know real places don't. So no, uh, back to your original question. What do I attribute it to? I think you hit the nail on the head. It's it's the new people, but it specifically starts with and started started with uh, Ted Segal. The moment he got here, he was very clear that he had, uh, you know, he had the, the the capability to spend. And his favorite word was materially more than the previous previous regime. On top of that, he came in and he said, changes are going to be made. I'm not making them right away. I'm going to give time for things to, you know, to kind of examine and, and uh, you know, figure things out. And he didn't rush things, right? We, we suffered through, if you will, last season's clusterfuck of, uh, I, I can't even call it coaching because I felt like Tab wasn't a coach. Tab was a manager of personnel. I felt like not he was a there, he there to babysit. Right? Yeah, and, and even then he wasn't a good one at that. Like he wasn't a good babysitter. People still got pissed off. Darwin Quintero, perfect example. That's because he would walk out of the locker room after big losses without saying a word. The players were probably fucking like, like what just happened? Is he mad? Is, yeah. he, is he fucking Play- happy? Yeah, as I understand it, players weren't happy because they weren't being coached. And a lot of players need coach. You know, they need to be coached, not necessarily coached up, but they need to be coached. Coaching is what drives them and has driven them for their whole careers. A player like Darwin Quintero, he plays best when he's playing under a coach that drives him to that next level, drives him to be his best. Uh, You know, there are other players on the team. I'm not going to call them out, but there are specific players on the team that they have a level that they can get to, but they have to be driven to get to that level. Now, 
Some Name people one. take a step back. Name uh, one. Matthias Vera is one of them. I thought okay. he played okay, but I thought that he regressed under uh, under tap. Really? Um, I really do, because you look at how he was when he first got here, and that was a much better player than he was later on in his, you know, in that the in last year. The second half of last year, he didn't he looked like a shell of his former self. Tab played him out of position. Look, he's not an attacking midfielder, and he was constantly being told to push high up the pitch. And that's just not it's if he's not comfortable in the position he's playing in, and that's not where his strengths lie, then you're asking him to try to play to his weaknesses. And that's always going to result in, in, you know, in in bad, um, you know, in bad form. And when a player hits bad form, there is a psychological effect that takes place where, hey, guess what? You know, it's a continuous thing. Like it it just it's a self-fulfilling prophecy almost anyways. But. Uh, I, I, again, I'm going to come back to this. I attribute the changes we're seeing in culture, the changes we're seeing towards trying to create a Houston Dynamo football club identity to Ted Seagal first and foremost. Like I said, he came in and his first thing that he said is changes are going to happen. I'm going to make the changes when the time is right. Uh, For right now, I want to have time to assess and to evaluate. Uh, but I'm going to spend more money. I'm going to spend materially more than my pre, you know, my predecessors and, you know, just be patient, give it time, you know, but trust me, you're going to see the difference. His first moves when he got here, he signed Hadebi. That was, look, it was absolutely a Ted Seagal move in terms of we spent money to get Hadebi in here. Um, the second thing was he extended Tim Parker. Now, you know, fans that came in last season or, you know, towards the end of last season, they'll look Slipped at that and, it's looking like a bad move right now. Right now, yes. But again, what do you have to measure that on? Last season. And last season is just unfair to measure any player against because we really don't know how much was players versus how much was just not having a real coach versus how much was just leftover piles of crap from the pre, you know previous regime of GM and, uh, and coach and everything else. And I think we'll find out this preseason and I think the first few weeks of the season uh, because look, Pat is not going to settle for a player that's not playing up to their potential. Paulo, I have a feeling just from, from listening to him that he's not going to be a coach that's going to be willing to let a player slack off and practice. Uh, you know, you saw uh, there was a quote from Ferreira already um, that he's seen a, cha- a a difference in terms of the intensity level from the league that he's coming from, the team that he's coming from, uh, to here and to, you know, to practicing under Paulo. And to me, those are all things that point to improvement uh you know one season over the next now i would like other players that have already been here in the past to give a better representation of is this more intense than years past is there you know past is there a focus more on some things that you didn't focus on in the prior you know in prior seasons and prior off seasons uh and prior seasons those kinds of things now it's still early so it's, it's tough to say those things but i would like to hear like a tim parker come out and say man i've never felt this fit in my life you know i've never been pushed to this level in any team that i've been at or I feel like I'm back with New York Red Bulls where I was being pushed as hard as I possibly could be or, you know, whatever the case may be, just having players that, that are established players that are veteran players, whether they came from another team or they, they grew up here, whatever it may be, memo. But just to say this is different. This is not the same thing that we've experienced the last few seasons. This is a different feeling. There's a different energy. There's a different chemistry. There's a different intensity to everything that we're doing. Um, and it starts at the top. Starts it starts at the, at the top. And let me just uh, – you didn't plug your show yet. I no, that's I at the end, bro. I, I always wait till the end. People know I who it, I am. You know, I do it at the beginning and the end. But I will tell you, I fucking love that you just. How do you, what's what is what is our owner's last name? Ted what? Seagal. Seagal. Fucking like Steven Seagal. Okay, and uh, uh, that Vera guy. How do you say his first name? Matthias Vera. 
Okay, you did it right that time. I just love that you know how to say Ted's name correctly, and you're like, fuck it. You're like Steven Seagal. Yeah. Ted Seagal. Man, you know, um, it does, it feels different. Now, I went back and I looked, and 2017 was when I actually went to my first Dino game. Which that was the year they made the Western Conference Finals. So I was yeah, like, that was oh, that was a good, good season, year. all things considered. Yeah. Now the next year was the U.S. Open Cup win, right? And we were we were playoff relevant. What do we finish tenth? I think out of thirteen. So we were we were done with like two matches left. But ever since then, it's just been like doldrums. Like we're just stuck. And um, talking about this guy's transfer fee. 4.3 million, 4.5, whatever it is. It's at least 4.3. At some places I've read, it's 6.5. You, you can throw the 6.5 out there. Let me clarify. 6.5 is all the, all the incentives, all the fees and all that. If they, if yeah. all that stuff ends up happening, first of all, if all those things end up happening, we're paying that amount of money. We just are going to make 10 times that amount on his transfer because, well, not, maybe not 10 times, but like double, triple that on transfer fee because oh, that's, he's going to be a big incoming fee, man. That's that absolutely is. Well, and you have to consider, you know, uh, 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 you have to consider we pay. So let's say, OK, right now we've paid four point three. If we end up paying the full six point five, that means he's met his incentive marks. Incentive marks include things like he makes the all star game. First of all, if he does that this first season, he's paid for himself ten times over. Uh, you know, it's also going to be based on his total goals. It's going to be based on the number of matches he starts and the number of matches, he, number uh, total minutes he plays. Uh, you know, things along that line, just various, you know, incentivized markers for him to play as well as he can. So roughly, yeah. let's just say roughly 2 million is locked up in that. Well, if roughly 2 million of that is locked up in that and he hits all those marks, those marks are a player that is hitting all-star level in MLS at his age coming in as a DP. Which and is either a, 22, 23, or 24. I've, I've read three different fucking numbers today. We don't know how somewhere old he is. in the early 20s. He's not 25. But he's he, not even 25, that, folks. <laughs> he's aging before our very eyes. Uh, but the thing is, if you think about it, if if he hits those marks and he is that good of a player, there are immediately going to be because he's going to increase his own personal player profile if he can make those marks in his first season with the Dynamo. The other side effect of that is the rest of the team are going to be along for the ride. So no matter what else happens from this point on, you have secured a player who is going to want to reach that level, who has desire to go to Europe. And I'm okay with that. He doesn't have to be a cornerstone piece that stays with the Dynamo for seven seasons. Look, let him stay for one season, two seasons, whatever it is. European teams are obviously scouting MLS right now. They're watching teams. They're watching results. They're watching players. They're, they're doing deep scouting on these players. We're seeing players go over, young players go over and play in the Premier League, play in Bundesliga. Who was uh, the last American? One. Who was uh, the last American just got sold? Uh, uh, fuck, what was his name? Zimmerman? Was it Zimmerman? No, no Zimmerman. He got a men's Zimmerman's team call up. So we just, another one went to Europe. And uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I can't think of his name. Well, off there was Pepe. There was Pepe was 20. DK ago. was 10. There was another one, like a smaller name. Uh, Minnesota. I mean, Brendan Aronson's, Aronson's already been over there. Yeah. Uh, and then Twelman. Tanner Twelman went too, did he not? It's not quite Twelman, a few. but yeah, yeah. Elman, Tanner, you know who I'm talking about. Tess, yeah. Tess, Tess, Tesselman. 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 Tanner Tesselman, yeah. So you know, yeah, I'm looking at this, I'm looking at this transfer fee, right? This yep. four, let's call it four point three. Let's call it the bottom. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Uh, we already know 
the last $4 million transfer was Eric Torres, who now is plying his trade in the USL with, is it Phoenix? It's Orange County. It's Orange County. This he, fucking he guy traded one orange for another. Liga MX to MLS back to Liga MX. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Because he went and played for uh, USL championship. Yeah, he, he, I think he went to, where did he go? He, he did go fuck? to Liga MX, but I don't remember what team he went to. And he was just so, terrible there. The man. And, you know, there's. There are parallels between these two, and there's not. I look at Ferreira's frame, and he's fucking built. He looks attractive. Kubo he's looks a, like he works in an office. He looks like Steve Carell. He looks like he could walk over to you with a clipboard and a little pair of goggles and be like, sir, sir, uh, the pressure on this gauge is too high. <laughs> you know, but then you look at Ferreira, and it's like, this fucking guy is throwing people out of a bar. Yeah. Like, he looks he looks like if Maxi took steroids and you know, he's his his frame is uh he's got that strong upper body too. How tall is he? Six uh six one, six two, something like that, Ooh, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds like that sounds like a target man to me. Yeah, well, and and it's interesting you say that because who is our first round draft pick? Thor. Yeah, oh, you're two. fucking beating me to it. Stop talking. No, 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 talk about, about it. Because hey, he here said we I'm go. allowed to do whatever I want, right? <laughs> Your words. I said, mind. I said you don't gotta be censored. Here, here's the thing on let me ask you a question, Sean. All right, sure. Who had the worst day in Houston, Texas today? Fucking Thor. He went from being the number one no. striker. Yeah. No, because he, he, knew, he, he knew coming in, he was never right? going to be the number one striker. He, he knew, knew but, but he was on paper until this guy signed. Well, but so here, here's the thing. You're assuming we're going to play a one striker formation. What if we play a two striker formation? We don't, have, we don't have two strikers yet. We have Thor and we have Ferreira now. What do you mean we don't have I don't, two strikers? I don't, man. Look. We have had <laughs> fucking draft picks. You want to get uh-huh. me started on draft picks? Hey, Dude, look, how, look, how many look. draft picks legitimately pan out? Hey, did we not just say this is a new regime in a new era? What if we finally have a draft pick that fucking pans out for a change? We, we do. His name is Sam Junka. No, it's, well, Sam Junka don't even go there. No. Uh, Thor six, is going to look 6.87 rating last year. Sam so Junka. here's the thing. I memorized thing. that shit backing up Sam all year. Go ahead. Sorry. I do think Thor is going to be with the senior team the entire season. I believe genuinely Thor is going to hit and it hold me to this. Thor hits double digit goals this season. You're out of your Ferreira, mind. Ferrari hits 20 plus goals this season. Ooh, you're not going to like my prediction because that's at the very end. Uh, it's Fuck. fine. It's fine. I, I, hey, I'll beat oh, you to man. it. Don't you even, I will totally beat you to it. Here's Can you the see thing. my screen? Is that what it is? You see? No, me? not at all. Not at all. Can't see it in the reflection off the uh, painting. Hold wall. on a second. Art me, picture me, you got there. That's, no, uh, so, that's Tottenham. That's White Hart Lane. Is it really? It really oh, is. Oh. This whole, this whole, oh, Sean, shit, in case you guys didn't know, Sean is in my bedroom right now. And Sean, I mean, I will be in like five minutes now that I realize that's a Tottenham picture. Sean, every, every, everything in this room, hold on a second. I, because, because you're one of, <laughs> you're, you're one of our own. Hold on a second. One, literally one of your own. Yeah, that's I right. Can, hold on. Can I turn this thing? I can't. There's fucking too many wires. Anyway, you're good. You're good. All above the bed is like, um, it's fuck, dude, my room looks like a fucking teenager's room. All above the bed is Tottenham shit. Nice. So, and I, and I, you know, one of the girls asked me, she's like, why did you put all this Tottenham stuff up here? And I said, it's just so you know who comes first. <laughs> and that's why I'm still single. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's a what, good one. That's, that's a good why one. you're all alone in your apartment. <laughs> Sometimes. But, yo, man, uh, back to Thor. <laughs> I am just so sketchy on draft picks because the percentage of them in this sport in mls that Mm -hmm. pan out is low because as i said on christians all the good ones are already playing professional most of the good ones at that age the real good ones 
the majority are already in the pros, whether it's Europe, whether it's Mexico, whether it's here. You know, they are. I So here, here's the here's the caveat to that. International players that play in college here in the U.S. are just as good as the U.S. players that go overseas. The difference is those players that came over here to the U.S., they already had the technical quality to play soccer where they were coming from. They had that quality. The problem was they didn't have the athleticism when they, you know, when they got there. So a guy like uh, Ordonez, uh, Lima is a little different. Well, I'm not going to go there. I don't a guy like Ordonez and a guy like Thor, both of these guys, when they came to the U.S., they were smaller guys. They were not, you know, bigger, strong guys. But, man, you look at that tape on Ordonez and you watch what he does as a defender, as a center back and as an outside back. Look, he, he's strong. But he's not built in that standard, like, I'm a thick, heavy dude that's going to knock you all over the place. Did we sign Ordonez? Is that one of our draft picks? Yeah, he's our, he was the I the, stopped the reading last, after round one. He was, was the like, second the, the second draft pick of the second round that we had. So he was, like, pick number 39 overall. I and that was it. all. We had three total draft picks. I mean, yeah, I went, I went first pick. I was like, this is the only one that, in all honesty, has a snowball's chance in hell of ever seeing I, the senior team. You know, I mentioned it on Twitter. Uh, you can check me out at, at June Orange Radio. That's also where Mark tweets occasionally. But uh, I, I put it on Twitter that uh, I fully expect to be able to see Ordonez as one of those players that he's a utility player because he can play anywhere really along that back line. He's a fantastic distributor of the ball. If you watch his college tape, and, and there's like, it's out there. I, I'll link it to you later so you can go find it. But his tape from Providence College, or maybe it wasn't. No, he played for... Uh, I don't remember where he played for, but if you look at his tape and it's up on the college's website, like just his capability on the ball is just disgusting for a center back. Like he could legitimately play center mid or D mid and he would be fine. He reminds me of a Jeff Cameron. Now you're not necessarily going to know Jeff Cameron from his dynamo he's days. He's the one that left, went to Stoke, Yeah, he's the asshole Stoke, that nobody wants back, to come back. Cincinnati, right? Yeah, yeah, he's playing for and Cincinnati. They, and, they, and they fucking beat us. They Cincinnati did. beat us. They did. It, it, I was there for that. Yeah, I was there. Uh, but no, no, it was a tie. Wasn't it a tie? Maybe we did draw. I don't know. It's been it's been long enough. I kind of blacked out most of that season, anyways. Like it's blocked out of my mind for obvious good reason. That was a rough but, year. Uh, <laughs> rough, year <laughs> rough two years. But uh, Ordonez just has that build. He's the same build. He's the same. Like he looks very identical to the way that Jeff Cameron did when he came out. Uh, at, you know, from, uh, you know, began to play as a pro player. So I, I look at that and I say, well, he's a player that could, you know, could be one of those players that you see. All it takes is an injury that's going to take a guy out for, you know, a couple of months here or there. Then suddenly you slot this guy in because he's just kind of a guy that is capable of doing it. And suddenly he shows up and he plays and he's playing well. The kid's a Spaniard. He's like 23, 24, somewhere or 22, somewhere right around there. All three okay. are internationals. They are all internationals, which means they would require an international slot unless they're able to get their green cards, which that is always a possibility. But there is the green card system, which can take a little bit of time, depending. But if we loan, if we loan Paulo Lima, Lima and uh, and Ordonez down to uh, yeah, down to uh, Dynamo Dos, then they're those slots for inter- those we don't have to use international slots on them because they'll be loaned to the to the dynamo dose yeah, yeah mls yeah. next pro or whatever it is doesn't have the does, all right, those so, players don't count towards our roster all right so this fee do you think a fee being this high that he's being set up for failure and that looking at the amount of money we spent do you think that it's possible our expectations are too high because we we've been starved 
for a true star here since Elisa Minotis left. And we got lucky with those two. Having those two in Kyoto at the same time, that was arguably one of the best front three in, in, in the league, and they weren't even in their prime yet. Not Elise. Elise is hitting it now. Yeah. But you, you look at, like, other leagues. Like, you and I, we both follow Spurs, unfortunately. But fucking didn't lose the other day. Um, but you look at the money that we spent on a guy like Andombele with Celso, Davidson Sanchez, because you're looking at 40 million for Davidson, 45, 60 for Andombele, 40. And none of these guys panned out. And I mean, we looked at the money they spent and we're looking at what we're, I'm looking at what we're spending on Ferreira and he's, he is coming. Yeah. He did all right in Liga MX, Liga MX, some people call it, but I, I feel like this fee is setting unrealistic expectations. And when you said 20 plus goals, um, I think that you drank the Kool-Aid. No, man. No, not What are you all. thinking about him? So here, here's the thing. We're talking about a new coaching regime. We're talking about a new approach. We're talking about a high intensity attack approach, but one that's going to focus on having the ball more in a, in a way that is going to benefit the attack. Our problem under Tab and really even under Wilmer is 90% of the time it was throw the ball out to the wings and pray. That was our yeah, approach. It was, 90% it was of the time. Jose Mourinho. It was Jose Mourinho. the pressure ball. and then <laughs> send it over the top to the fast. Get it to the Italian kids. This is going to be more of an approach. You're going to see this, I think, under – under. Uh, sorry, I, I'm actually trying to look Paolo. something up real quick on uh, on Ferreira. i got to find him first. Uh, Good luck. Market, His name is really not market. Sebastian. It's like Carlos Sebastian Ferreira Vidal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know why they have so US many names one. down there. Like we, I have three. Yeah, I wanted to see where he came from. I don't think he came from Liga MX, which is why I was – No, he came it. from – okay, so he went like six years – he did like four or five years in Paraguay. And they're yeah. top league. Then he went to Liga MX for two years with Morelia, who is now Mazatlan. Then he went back to Paraguay and he went back to back golden boots. Mm-hmm. Now he did break 20 goals in one season. It was 2019, 20, fucking 22 right now. So 2020, he had like, he had an absurd amount of goals. Like that guy in uh, the USL championship, Haji Barry, who scored mm-hmm. like almost 30 goals. He put up an un- un- like ridiculous numbers. The rest of his numbers are good. Sure. But they're like, they're good. Yeah. And, and I'm not. So here's the thing. You can't look at a player's numbers from where they're coming from. And here's why. Because most of the players who actually come to the come to MLS and pan out, usually their numbers are not spectacular. They're not lighting it up necessarily in their league. They're average to a little bit above average. And the reason for that is the fact that, number one, you are intentionally not going after goal scorers from other leagues, and especially at the striker position. Because typically those players, either A, they're prima donnas that come in like a Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Now, he's a separate, obviously an isolated he's, situation. He's a fucking god. He, he is literally one in a billion. You're not going to find another Ibra like I'm not that. Gonna, like, I'm not going to lie. I would pay money to watch him play a match completely oh. naked. Like, not I, I want to see like... a bit far. Dude, but I, I, I know, you. but like, he, you. it's like, I look at him, I'm like... Like what he's doing is already unreal. I'm like, are you even a fucking, um, are you even a human being under there? Like no, he just no. fucking takes it off and wings come out. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's just, yeah, yeah. he's the, he's the Tom Brady. I mean, so, I, I think for Zlatan, I know we're getting off topic. You could, I, I could make the argument all day. Zlatan's arguably the greatest striker to ever play. Cause you can't, I think you can. His longevity. He, and his, I'll his give you this. He's definitely the, well, Lewandowski might have a little something to say about that. Uh, he has longevity, but he's also, you know what? Lewandowski did it in one league. He did. He he did. With I mean, the best he fucking did. team. 
He did, but he also did it in Champions League year over year over year, too. So it wasn't like he was just a one-hit one yeah, in but, this league, and then we got to Champions League where the real teams play, and suddenly he bowed out. I mean, no, he's on a real team, but he's on a, he's on a real team in a league with, like, two sure. other real teams. Oh, no, absolutely. I'm not arguing that. But, I mean, coming back to the point at hand. Yeah, we're all over the place, man. Well, I don't know about we. <laughs> You're the host. You're supposed to keep it in works. line. I'm just going, man. We're just yeah, going no, yeah, hey, that's fine. But Ferreira, the, the reason why a lot of times those strikers that come in with big numbers in other leagues don't pan out is number one, they're prima donnas. Number two, they come in with an attitude that that they know they're going to dominate. And there's a difference. When you come in, unlike Zlatan, again, he's a one in a million, so it's a different situation. But you come in as a player, especially a young player, and you think you're going to dominate, the first time you get hit by an MLS center back, or the first time you get hit by a goalkeeper, or the first time a ref calls something that's not you're not used to being called, it is a wake up call. And we've seen how many different you know strikers come in and then just kind of fade into nothingness. I mean, you know, Kubo, how highly rated was he? And he still had double digit, double digit goals in that. He one had a season. fast start and then he disappeared. He tapered off, but he, he wasn't a practice player, right? He wasn't a practice player. Ferreira is a practice player on top of everything else. Ferreira is a fitness player on top of everything else. So I'm just stacking all these things up. Now, the reason I say 20 plus goals, the number one, 20 plus goals is not that absurd in terms of total strikers in the league. There's a number of strikers that hit that goal mark every year. Now, the biggest factor for Ferreira is the fact that he's going to have Darwin Quintero in preseason for him. Yes, there's three total that hit that mark, but there's no more Wando. So we can finally get rid of him off the off the list. Thank God. Who did he used to play for? San Jose. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> before them, before them. Uh, oh, he never really played for the Dynamo, though. He mostly played for. He San had a Jose. jersey. He had a jersey. He played, oh. Yeah, he played for San Jose, uh, <sighs> the Earthquakes, and then he played for like Dynamo reserves for a couple of seasons. And then, like the moment that he finally gets a start for the Dynamo, Dom's like, "Nah, we don't need him anymore. Send him over yeah. to San Jose. This guy's no good. Him. Who's and this then, guy? Nolan Ryan. Yeah, and then he said, "Strike. Let's let's twenty plus over. goals in like three straight seasons or some ridiculous numbers." Anyways. So you but, think you think Ferreira is the real deal? You're sold. I think Ferreira is the real deal, and I'm not sold based on the hype talk or anything like that. I'm sold on what I've read, what I've researched, and what I've seen in terms of you know game tape, the yeah. or, you know footage. The the most important thing is the kid has the technical skills. The kid has the dribbling capability. The kid can play with the ball at his feet. He's a striker. He's strong. He's tall. Look, he checks every damn box. I'm not going to say core values because fuck core values, but he checks every damn I'm box. With you core values. I want I want like the eighty six Mets. I want us like taking amphetamines in the clubhouse and going out. I don't know about that. That noise. might be going a little far. That's I, that's I, a that's not a good max with with soccer. Baseball you can do that. They used to they used to take amphetamines and they would fucking not, pitch. Yeah, no, you, you don't do need that amphetamines, but they need the they need the HDH for the recovery, yeah. for for after injury recoveries and, and all that stuff. But but the thing is that he has that that you don't see necessarily as much in that game tape. But I've seen from some of the other tape that I've seen on him is he has an explosiveness. When he decides, just like Elise, just like watching Elise. Now, not the same speed, but he's got that explosiveness that when he decides he gear. wants to beat, yeah, he's just got that next, he's got that switch. And the moment he decides that I'm going to beat this defender, oh, that defender might as well just fall over. And they have, when Ferreira busts out in the middle of a match, a, 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 three, a 360 spin dribble move and drops the guy to the turf. Look, you know the kid's for real. Now, granted, it only happens once in a while. But then in a different match in the same season, he came up with the Wonder Golasso. If you haven't seen the video, you need to go see the video. It's on Twitter I, all over the place. I have not watched any of our signings. You need to life. watch this dude's video, and you're going to be sold just watching those two clips. That's the only clips I need to see. 
Now, he's had some other goals that were kind of meh, whatever, but you're not looking for a guy that already has it together because those guys are going to go for 20 to 30 million anyways. You're looking for a guy that has the skills and the talent, and he's got the ability to. We want that an guy. asset that we can build and then sell for a profit, which is we which is exactly over a year. That's exactly what Ted has me doing in Football Manager, the motherfucker. <laughs> he had me starting at 23 and younger, and now he's down to 20. He's getting. I, I'm, a, I'm not a fucking wizard, although I, I'm doing quite well. But it's okay. When I lose, I just fucking load the game again. You know, uh, it, and speaking of them. getting younger, I no, no. Speaking of getting younger, I think that's actually an interesting point because if you think about the Dynamo, it, it's been a trend that we've slowly gotten younger. We stayed old because we were already so old. We had minor for how Boney. many years? And we had minor and Beasley. And, Those three and together Boney. were over a hundred years old. Yeah, t- yeah, combined age, right? And so, like, and that's yeah, not we a joke. That's old. a real thing. Look it up. Yep, I didn't absolutely. make that. They were up. all over thirty, so it wasn't going to take much more than that. Just ten combined years between the three of them. And once Minor was thirty-six, it was over. Um, you know, and you Minor. had those three players. Then you had Darwin Quintero. That's another thirty-year-old player. Uh, and you know, I'm going to throw the rumor out there. I am not going to be surprised if we end up signing Sebastian Blanco as a number ten to pair up with Ferreira and Thor. It's a guy from Portland, right? Yeah, Sebastian Blanco. You know, he, he's coming off an injury, an ACL injury. He did play a little bit in the playoffs, not much, just MLS Cup, I think, really. But um, he's pissed off at Portland, and the situation is ripe for the Dynamo to strike. And Pat did say, get ready for more. You so, think Thor is going to start over Baird, a healthy Baird? I think that they're going to. I think that they're going to fight for the spot all preseason. And if oh, Baird makes they- it out and beats Thor, I'm perfectly okay with that. He won't but, because he's not going to be healthy. He's not going to be fit. I don't think so either. I really Baird don't won't be fit till the summer. And I think Baird is okay with that at this stage of his career. I think he does want to be a starter, but he also understands he is. He's, coming st- off he's an still young. He's like 26, 27. I mean, in he's MLS years, like, you're getting up there at that point. Yeah, he's got about three or four left. But I mean, I I was excited when we signed him. Granted, when you you figure had, out oh. it cost a million dollars technically. Yeah, but when he had the ball at his feet or he got, you know, he received the ball at his feet, what he could do to beat defenders out of the blue, stuff that nobody else was doing on the pitch except for a Darwin Quintero. Yo, he got off the plane and then got on the pitch. He's like, I'm here. You're like, you're playing. He didn't He didn't need time to acclimate because he was a he's a football player, period. The dude understands how to play football. And that's, you know what? And that's how, fu- right. But you, how often do you see that? Unless it's a Cristiano Ronaldo, a Messi. You don't see them just go right in and be effective. So well, that's well, how on, fucked let, let up me, we were. That's how, that's how bad exactly. our management was. I was, was. going like, that's how bad a coach we had in that a guy could step off a plane and play, literally be a top three player <laughs> on your team coming off the damn plane. Yeah, no practices, that, but he no was, time with the rest of the It's not like players. we traded. Like he was, he was almost, he wasn't quite free, but he wasn't expensive. No, he wasn't, he wasn't. A, worth a million because that's what he was. When he had the international spot with the, GAM or TAM, it was about a million. But do you, do you think we're gonna go back to Ferreira because we're all over the place? Do you think do you think this guy's got a higher ceiling than Elise? Because I, I said Elise or Minotis, but we can both agree Elise is well beyond Minotis. Oh yeah, I mean there was you, never. Do, a doubt. Are you expecting this guy to come in and be that player, that Elise, that Minotis? I expect him to come in and be. So here's the thing, different player than uh, Elise, obviously different position, different style of play. Elise was all about the pace more than anything else, but he had the strength to go along with it. Ferrer is going to be about that strength. He's a holding striker. He can play the holding striker role, but if he has a true 10 with him there, again, a Darwin Quintero is a shadow striker, perhaps, who knows? Let's see. But 
if he has players around him that can get him the ball in, in good opportunities and good space, there's no reason the kid can't suddenly just put it on. And he's got a, like, he's a, a roughly a 50% on target uh, uh, shooter. And that's inside the box and outside the box. So how I, many, I how many to you, to you. So you talk about, because when you said he's going to score 20 plus immediately, I went, who's going to get him the ball. And we I know, mean, have, look, look, we had Fafa. crosses. How many crosses do we have in the box throughout the entirety of the season? And nobody was there to head that, to, to get on the end of it or to get close to it. How many times on set pieces, did we have a guy just miss the ball completely have nobody to target our, you know, our center backs, they're okay, but they're not guys that should be getting on the end of the ball. It should be your striker. It should be your top guy. It should be the guy who's the man when it comes to, to, you know, set piece play. And he's, he's that type of guy. He can be that. Now, the other thing that's going to happen here, and we're going to see this around the first, I think first third, halfway through the season, somewhere right around there is Ferreira's gold numbers are going to start to taper off a little bit because what's going to happen is more and more teams are going to start to double team and triple team him on set pieces. They're going to start to pull players away from shorter players that are not going to get up for the ball. What that's going to, what that's going to mean is that Lundy's going to have chances at goals that he would have never had with our previous, uh, previous strikers and previous players. Uh, you know, Maxie's not pulling two players off. He's pulling one. If he's lucky, he had that one well, goal. Maxie, Maxie almost was like a false nine as much as he came back. He, but he also he had was, to. He had to come back because nobody could get him the damn ball in space. And then at the fact that he's not fast enough to actually beat guys oh, when yeah. he had a chance. Because that's what happened. If it went to Fafa or Pasher, they were just running down. They're gone. Yeah, and, and Maxie's like, way, fucking way. <laughs> and they cross it. Nobody's there. But when Maxie, you know, it, either way, he is now, you know, engorging penises in Austin right now as we speak. They are very excited. <laughs> That, but that's now they're like, like let, let them be excited about a player that's going to score like 10 goals for them for the entire season. That, that's perfectly shit. fine with me. You think he scored seven with us and he was our full-time starter. Yeah. I, I think a lot he of that never was, came out. No, I think a lot of that was, he was pretty pissed off at the coaching situation, to be honest with you. I, I can't see him scoring 10. I could see him putting in four or five as a, I as, mean, a as a backup. Out look, there that, that's five through, you know, five through 10 matches to start the season and five through 10 at the end of the season. I you mean, know what? Fuck him. I don't want him to score. He's no, awesome. that's fair too. Just don't fucking score, Maxi. I know you're listening. So yeah, he, he's the guy that's supposed to solve all their problems for goal scoring, right? That's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Well, they got that that Colombian midfielder who they loan out their old DP midfielder from South America, and they bring in a new DP midfielder from South America. And I called them clueless, and they're like, "You have no idea." And it's like you guys just fucking repeated history. Different type of player. Yep. Same philosophy. Yep. They are so, and they are. God, are they getting fleeced? The price to go watch a game there is like what oh, I would pay ridiculous. for me ridiculous. and all my children. Like it, it's it's a lot, man. But you know, as long as the money's going to McConaughey, I'm fine with it. So all right, all right, all right. He is. So are you? We is this number right? Did we spend more to sign him than we made off of the sales of Elisa Minotas put together? Yeah, absolutely. Holy shit. Now, keep in mind with Elise and Minotis, we have a sell-on fee, which means that in the event yeah. that their current clubs sell them on and we know Elise is yeah. about to be sold on, we're going to be up for like 20% of that sale. That'd be nice. And Elise Hopefully. is going to go for 20-plus at this point. The way that he's playing right now, it would not surprise me to see that guy go for 20-plus million. Because he went for like seven to France. Yep. From yep. Portugal. He was in yep. Portugal. And we didn't get paid the sell-on fee 
we finally did. Yeah, we got recently, everything from but, that one from what people. But we didn't originally. Uh, yeah, people that are in the know, they told me that we have, so I believe them. I don't yep. fucking know if they are. No, I know we have. I know we have. That's what I'm saying. We finally got paid for it, but it was finally like it was not immediate. Yeah, and it then, took. It and, took but a again, minute. we still retain that sell-on fee. So if he keeps getting sold to clubs and clubs and clubs, and he keeps playing well, then do go for a hundred million to a club, and we suddenly in the money. I thought the sell-on fee was only in the transfer to the club you're currently selling to. No, that oh, sell-on it, it, right it can is go still longer. retained. It can go it can longer. Go, and I, I think it can diminish, too. They can break it down into a smaller It, it all depends on, of course, it was Trash Jordan that worked it, so who knows? But it does depend on you know the, the, the clauses that are put in the contract. And from what I understand, we have still retained that sell-on fee moving to the next club. Matt Jordan might be the only fucking millionaire that I've ever heard of who wants his money at the end. Those those guys usually want it up front. He's like, you know, you're I know you're good for it. Fucking place in Portugal. Let's just say that he liked to do business on his knees a lot. Oh, fuck! Now I'm kind of mad we fired him. <laughs> I'm not. I'm absolutely not. He was trash. Completely Little useless. Teddy. All right, so we are disagreeing here on Fredo. Just. That's okay. At the end of the season, yeah, yeah. when I'm right and you're wrong, I'll come back on oh, the I show. Hope, I hope I'm wrong. I will come back on the show, and Christian will be here for that episode, and we'll both just sit there, and we'll be drinking beers, and you'll be sitting there going, shit, I just paid for those beers because you're going to owe me a beer, son. So you think Mark will do that? If, if he doesn't hit 20 goals, I will buy you a beer at the end of the season. No, oh, deal. Fucking deal. You're on. You're on. That's well, how confident well, I am. I'll put my money where my oh, mouth I, is. I. You know what? I hope I'm wrong. I just... <laughs> When, when I saw that there was, you know, three over 20 in the entire league, and then you take into account our top scorer was 11. I mean, there's some clubs like Montreal. I think Kyoto was their top scorer with like eight or nine. Yeah. So another thing to keep in mind, too, is with those double-digit goal scorers, they are the top goal. Like, they are the top guy on their team. They're the they're the guy that is scoring all those goals. Yeah. Who else is going to be scoring goals for us right now? That's, well, that's one of the questions I wanted to get to towards the end. But before – before we get there, before we get there, sure, sure. Um, I came Holy up with this shit, little. It's eight forty already. Sorry, eight forty. I know it goes, it goes quick. You can wow. cross here. Um, so I know time flies when you talk to me. So, um, uh, hey, Tottenham to Tottenham, baby, it, it, it's all night long. Shit, I'll be here all night just talk. You know, we've spent the Dynamo spent four point three million dollars more than fucking Daniel Levy so far. Hey, that's God. not true. That's not it, true. He brought some young kid in that was worth like a million. Maybe he sold three old. academy kids. I don't recall Pepe, not Pepe, Mater, Mater, whatever his name is. The yeah, Mendereke or whatever, Mendarke, Mendarke, something like that. So he, that's one that got Mark Anthony. He got sold. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, 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 I'm thinking Mark of Mendarke, who was like a, he was one of the better academy players, but he was pissed off because he didn't get senior minutes this season. And Conti's like, dude, you're not seeing the pitch. You're not even close to being ready. No. So no, they there's... sold him off to some team for less than, because he wasn't, he didn't want to stay with Tottenham at that point. I can't blame him. He wants but this is playing. not a Tottenham podcast. So no, back to the Dynamo. Dynamo. So I had this little thing earlier where with this big signing with Sebastian Ferreira coming to Houston, I did a little written segment and I'm going to go first because it's mine and you can kind of get an idea. And it, I had time to sit down and write this, but I, I wanted us to predict his career in Houston, but I wanted us to do it with the cynicism of a Dynamo fan. So when you're predicting his career, it should not be, as you know, <laughs> the perfect ending. Oh, so absolutely not. I wrote mine out, so I have a uh, an unfair advantage over Sean because this is my show, and I was like, you know what? But Sean, after this, if 
You can follow this one up. Here we go. Within hours of his record-breaking transfer, Sebastian Ferreira took to a local Houston mini-pitch for a quick game of 3v3 with some locals. His PR folks said it would be wise to get out, embrace the city, be visible, and tell everyone you play for the Dynamo. Oh, and when they ask you, who are the Dynamo? Just laugh. They know who we are. It's a running joke amongst locals here. The 3v3 match begins. Never one to shy away or back down, Sebastian was dominant on that evening. Perhaps too dominant. Because as fate would have it, this would be the lone evening of dominance for him in Houston. What began as a spirited match quickly turned serious, as Ferreira's opposition were none other than the runners-up in the 2021 East-Southwestern Central Houston Judaic Futsal Tournament. Frustrated by Ferreira's off-the-ball movement and cunning guile, the Hasidic Jews sprang a trap on Ferreira late in the match, resulting in a hard challenge from star Jewish forward Jedediah that led to Ferreira collapsing into a crumpled heap on the patchwork concrete. As he lay there, writhing in pain, Dynamo owner Ted Siegel could be seen with sweat forming on his brow, hands clasped together, rocking back and forth anxiously in fear of Pat Onstad's oncoming wrath when he gets wind of the injury to his star signing. A hush falls over the crowd. Red flashing lights grow ominously closer. The EMTs spring from their expensive Uber to the mini pitch where the crowd and Ted Siegel await the news. Fred is slowly put on a stretcher, his groans and moans harmonizing with every bump as the stretcher painstakingly jostles its way to the ambulance. Fearing the worst, Ted Siegel slinks down the aluminum bleachers and seeks out the paramedics. After what seems like an eternity of pleading for information, Ted finally coaxes the answer out of the skittish paramedic. The paramedic looks at Ted, right in his eyes, and says, Bone spurs. Sebastian would never live up to the hype and promise that surrounded him upon his arrival. On this fateful night, a hard but clean challenge ruptured a dormant bone spur in Ferreira's shooting foot. This would become a recurring problem that eventually would lead to him being replaced up top by Sam Junka, who at this point in his career is playing left back, left mid, and left wing all at the same time. <laughs> Ferreira's career numbers with the Dynamo look something like this. 37 appearances, 4 goals, 1 assist, and he was released on a free after 3 years in orange. However, one year after Ferreira's release, a revolutionary bone spur surgery was developed and his malaise was permanently cured. He would go on to revitalize his soccer career. He currently plays as a starting striker for Pep Guardiola in Manchester City. He's won three league titles, six golden boots, one World Cup, two UEFA Champions Leagues, four Carabao Cups, and two FA Cups. The end. I gotta follow that shit? <laughs> and that took me like 10 minutes. <laughs> took me like 10 minutes to write it. But yeah, man, I was like, how how would I do this? Like, just I dynamo it. Like, dynamo it up. Like, you know, he comes here. And I had to add Sam Junko, my boy. The whole fucking left side is just Sam Junko. We've cloned him. There's three of him. Top knot. The, the, the fucking ponytail. And all three at some point in the game cost us a goal. So we know we got to score at least three or we're going to fucking lose all the time. <laughs> oh, fuck. All right, so you don't have to be as in-depth, but what do you, what do you think? <laughs> you can predict his career however you what want. I, I, put, I put the dynamo spin on it, but honestly, like, predict his career here. How many years, goals, assists, things like that. Am I going for realism or am I going for... You go for whatever comes... My head's in the fucking most, toilet because I'm so goddamn drunk that I can't remember my own last name. Go to <laughs> go, go with whatever comes most natural for you right now. You can go honest. It wouldn't be bad to hear. I know you have high hopes right. for him. 
So uh, I'll go with an honest opinion. Uh, you know, he comes in, he plays well in his first season. I'm not going to put a goal total on it, but he plays well in his first season. Uh, he gets, he gets a, you know, he, he gets kind of into a groove. He plays well, uh, doesn't get the all-star, you know, team, uh, call up in the first, you know, the first season, but plays well enough. Dynamo make the playoffs. He plays decently in the playoffs. Dynamo bow out and like the conference final. Sounds like a good, you know, good run. Second season, he plays better. Uh, he finally gets uh, paired up with a couple of wingers and a, uh, an attacking midfielder that really played his strengths. Uh, and he does hit that. He does hit that 20 plus goal margin. Uh, in his second season. Uh, and then uh, the Dynamo begin to field offers uh, at the end of that season after he helps uh, take us to the conference final again. We don't win the big one, but conference finals. Uh, and he plays really, really well. Dynamo start fielding offers. They get an offer they can't refuse. It comes from Tottenham Hotspur. Who else? They need a new striker. Harry Kane has just left to go play for none other than Barcelona because why not? They need a striker, right? Uh, and uh, they offer 20 plus million. Uh, for Ferreira and we're like, you know, Pat's like, okay, yes. Where do I sign the check? Where do you sign the check? <laughs> He's like, do it. Uh, and they make it happen. We get three new strikers, two new attacking midfielders uh, and a couple of uh, outside backs from uh, across South America. Uh, we feel the youngest and also subsequently the most expensive backline midfield and strikers in MLS history. Nice. The only problem is Daniel Levy wouldn't spend a penny over nineteen million. Oh, Dan, at that point, it's it's two years into the process. At that point, Daniel Levy's gone. Shit, that's All the right. only way that happens. So with with Ferreira right now, how would you line up the team? I'm going to line up in a five. I'm going to line up in a five three two, or what is effectively a three, three like a three. It's the Conte three, effect. Uh, th- no, 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 no. It's not that. It's the way that our players shape up and how we best would play. I do think an actual five man backline with two wing backs with one of those being Lundy actually can work pretty well. I think there, uh, oh, uh, Zarek can actually be pretty decent as a wing back because he won't have to track back nearly as much. I like him better as a right-sided ball playing center back with Hoffman on the outside. And, and I could see that too. Or I Griffin could see either way. Yeah. I could Dorsey. see either way with that. Yeah. And Hey, rotate. It doesn't have to be, yeah, you know, it doesn't, doesn't, have to be doesn't set. hurt. Uh, or even Pasher, you know, Pasher can play on the right side too. So just, you know, rotate around, let, let players play and, and, and find the comfort level, whatever works. But uh, I, I say five man back line because of two things. Number one, we have a couple of really good center backs in Hidavi and Tim Parker. And I think if they have the third one uh, that, and they get time in preseason to kind of figure it out and they get coaching to that level, I think that just creates an opportunity to allow more players into the attack. And the other thing it does is it allows you to slowly, you know, to slow down the game and control the pace of the game a little bit. We're not just going to be constantly on the front foot, always putting the ball towards goal. There's going to be opportunities where we're going to be able to just control the pace because the other team can't get the ball because we have enough players forward that can pass the ball and pass it accurately. As long as Vera is no longer on the team. I didn't say that out loud. Nobody heard me say that. Uh, You don't like Vera? No, no, no. It's not that he's just not a good passer of the ball consistently, like across the pitch. He tends to, especially late in games. Dude, when it hits late in the match, Vera better not have the ball. He just needs to be covered defensively. That's he gets it. tired. He gets tired. And to be fair, I mean, that was the whole team last year. But, you know, I can't count the number of times we gave up possession in the middle of the field after the 60th minute. And our guys were so tired that they couldn't chase back. You know, they were just beat every single time, whether it was, you know, and it was always our center mids that were beat because they were pushing too high up the pitch. Anyways, off topic. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, five-man back line helps alleviate that a little bit. The second thing that does, too, is because your outside backs are kind of not having track back as hard defensively, consistently, like they could, they don't have to be as heavy coming back. 
that gives a little bit of time for them to find that energy and keep that energy. It also allows the rest of your team to play in a position where they're not constantly up and down the field, up and down the field the whole time. Um, you know, and, and I think there's, there's opportunities. Now we're going to give up goals. I mean, that's going to happen. You know, we're not going to be a team that's going to go out there and, and going to stifle every attack uh, opposition attack. We're not going to, we're not going to shut out a lot of teams. We were, but, we were quite, quite porous last year. If, if yeah. We won't be that bad. I don't think we're, we're not going to be towards the bottom of the league. I think we'll be like middle to the top somewhere uh, middle to like the top, you know, third of the league somewhere right around there. Like, you know, somewhere between maybe, 12 13 uh up to like six somewhere right in that range I mean, it's a pretty big range but that range somewhere in there uh but if if we're not giving up as many goals we're still giving up some but the thing is is that style of attack that style of approach it allows everybody to get involved it allows everybody to have a chance to be part of the play to be part of what's happening and it also has the op the option of being able to say you don't know where we're attacking from you can't key on any one single piece and, and, and like take that player out of the game. You can't just key on Darwin Quintero because Pasher will beat you. Griffin Dorsey will beat you. Ian Hoffman will beat you. Somebody's going to beat you on the other side. Lundy will beat you on the left side. If you key too much on a single player or two or three single players, the rest of our team are capable enough in the proper positions and the proper formation to be able to capitalize. Last year, we didn't have enough coaching to do that. I think this year we do. Yeah, that's... Interesting point. I um, I'd go four two three one. Primarily I hate the four man backline right now. It's and, and that sounds Quintero. so crazy. It man. puts it puts Quintero in his most natural position, right? And it's it's I don't like the four man because then I have to make a choice on the left side. So a four three two one. Uh, you're four two three two, one or four two three one. Sorry, four two three one. Are you? Four, and two, I assume one. you're playing Quintero <laughs> in that middle. Yeah, uh, middle top ten. three. He's okay. my ten. Uh, for sure, and that's why I'm ta- that's why I'm using it. You know, it, I'm tired it, of this two man two man. Now you could go a five. You could go a five two one two. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you could do I, that. You know, it's like or you know. I just don't anyway. think we. I don't think we line up very well. Watching the two man defensive midfield last year, it didn't work. Well, if you there keep were, the two defensive midfielders to help, it it would. The problem is, we had Vera, who was a defensive mid, Saren, who. He's going to put out an average performance every time. Derek Jones, who disappeared. We have three defensive mids, and you need two every match to run this effectively. You know, so it, you're buying you into that forward. Conte effect, huh? Conte would be a 3-5-2 with the two uh, I mean, it's – okay, look, a five-man backline versus a three-man backline is still the same. And, yes, I am buying into the philosophy that the top three coach in the world uses. Yes, Hell, yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, look, that's why that's why I'm all about a five man backline. I've seen how it works. I've seen how a three man three man backline is nothing more than a five man backline on defense. That's it or yeah. on offense. And you can it. use wing backs or you can use midfielders. And yeah. in the in Conte system, like you were saying, how they can push up and save their energy in his system, they're up and down all game. And sure. like, but they're, they're also both. They are very much athletes on both sides of that. Of well, that I mean, line. ours should be too. Like we're still a professional franchise. But all right, back to my team. Four two three one. I mean, the which multi I, teams. Yeah, our team, our club. Um, there you go. The problem. So, if I am at home, uh-huh. I am going to play Sam Junk as my left back. Ooh, okay. On the road, I'm going to play Lundy because uh, on the road, I need someone I can count on defensively, and Lundquist is a better defender than Junko. I think Hold up. Junko offers Say it louder so forward. the people in the back can hear you because there are people out there that do not believe that. And I have that no Lundquist idea is a what better defender. Yeah. All around, Lundquist is better. 
However, Sam Janka offers a little more going forward. He's more aggressive. He's more aggressive than Adam, which is why one of them two at my left back. Left-sided center back is a teenage. Right-sided center back is probably Tim Parker. My, fuck. My right back, unfortunately, right now is still Zarek Valentin because we don't have anybody. But Ian Hoffman or Griffin Dorsey are debuting. My two defensive mids would be Veda and Jones. Up top, I'd have Fafa on my left. Uh, fuck, what's his name? Quintero in the middle. And then when he's healthy, Baird on my right. Are the new, can the new guy play the wing? Herrera? Yeah, he probably can. But no, I'm not putting him there. You know who no, I'm going to put on my striker. right wing? He's you know I'm going to put on my right wing until Baird gets back? Fucking Bahamich. Because we, we talk about this guy. I know. Bahamich. Because. You're going to have to sell me hard on this one, buddy. Because here's the deal. Look, here's the deal. Okay, build back better. Um, <laughs> Bahamich, if it, it's it's uh, not shit or get off the pot, and it's this year. We need to find out this year if there's a player in there. Now, you, we've already said there was no coach in the last two years. and I know there was, but there wasn't a lot. Bahamich wasn't Tab's guy. He was signed, if I'm not mistaken. Wasn't he? No, he was. Or was he signed at the end with Wilmer? Either way. It was, Either way. It was, it was under Tab's regime. Okay. So under Tab's regime, he's the same age. He's younger than Ferreira. He cost $1.1 million. He's still at an age where we can develop in and make and, and see if there is anything in there. And to be honest, he's carrying my club and football manager, and that's why I'm really on this train. But we have to see. So will it happen? No. Who's it going to be on the right? Tyler Pasher if he's healthy and we don't sign anybody. And then Fredetta up top. And then goal will be Clark, which you Michael Nelson guys are, are tripping. No, nah, there's no way it's Michael Nelson. Steve Clark nah. was signed for a reason. It's Clark. It's Clark. Clark was better than marriage. Clark's one of the, believe I mean, it or not, he's, he's one of the top goaltenders in the in, in Fucking MLS. construction cone is better than Marco Marich. I mean, marriage marriage did technically score on himself. Yeah, yeah. It, well. I mean, to be fair, Joe Willis did too, but we won't go there. Yeah, because he's, was he a homegrown, right? Joe Whatever. Willis? No, People Joe Willis. Derek. Derek was the homegrown. Derek was the homegrown. Yeah. Which no, is the Derek. one that hit his girlfriend. That was Derek, wasn't it? Yeah, we won't right go the there. Playoffs. We'll I remember that because he was a starting goalie and we had a switch. Yep. Anyway, Joe did fine. So how much how much better do you think Fafa is going to be up top with Fred in the middle? Or do you think that Fred is going to cut into his scoring opportunities? I do think Ferreira cuts, in, uh, cuts into his scoring opportunities to some extent because Ferreira will be there with him. He won't have that luxury of being the guy who, you know, is there all the time. He's going to have to pass it. Uh, but I think it actually works out better for him. You know, I mentioned uh, I kind of expect towards the middle of the season, we're going to see other teams and uh, opposition defenders starting to kind of gravitate more towards uh, Ferreira just all around. And so we're going to start to see more of those opportunities for the other guys to find their, you know, find their place. I think early on, it's going to be all the Ferreira show right out of the gate. I really, really do. And it has to be. It, it does because they're gonna they're gonna double and, and triple Darwin Quintero. They're gonna double you know Fafa any chance they get. They're gonna they're gonna be physical with Fafa. They're gonna be extra physical with Pasher. They're not gonna let him run by him. You know they're gonna be extra physical with Corey Baird coming off an injury. And, and that's when the guy is ready to roll. And and I don't know when that's gonna be. 
Um, you, you know, they're going to be physical with Griffin Dorsey, although Griffin Dorsey showed plenty at the end of last season to say that he deserves a look at that position. Yeah, and he's least. a big boy. Like, you're not going to push Griffin Dorsey around. And his balance is disgusting. Like, watching some of those opportunities where a defender had him dead to rights, you know, knocked him sideways, and he still managed to get to the ball and, like, keep his balance running past the guy. Oh, it was just like. it's That's why he wears I saw three or four times. I saw it he wears his socks loaded. His socks, socks are loaded to keep his center. It's the aerodynam- aerodynamicism at, 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 at work. His, I hate how he wears his socks. It drives me crazy. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like in the same boat with Fafa. I, I know he's not going to score 11 goals. But I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think what he lacks in goals, he'll make up for an assist. And now you talk about opening things up. It's going to open up the channels between the backs, the, the left or right back and the center back. I'm being analytical which you can't spell without anal. Um, it's going to open up channels. And when they pinch in on Ferreira, it's going to create gaps for guys like Quintero, guys like the much maligned currently Memo Rodriguez, who could put in a five-goal year. Because, you know, when if you can see it in your mind versus a back four, you pinch in on Ferreira, you go to cover the wing, you create those channels between them. Memo, I mean, Memo, ain't, Memo ain't got the pace or athleticism to be a winger. No, but he, he, he can He's shoot from outside the box. He can shoot from outside the box, though. So. No, but look, you know who's you know who's going to usurp his position this season, and he's going to hate every minute of it. The kid that's going to step up and take that position this season, he's going to take it by the goddamn Marcelo balls. It's going to be Marcelo Palomino. We'll you're going to see out. memo. You're going to see memo be an afterthought this season. Palomino, I thought his first year here he'd get time. I was wrong. I thought second year here. I think that honestly, sure I think time. that falls to tab. And I've been told that. You know, to some extent, some of the players that were coming up from the academy that were signed, they weren't MLS ready at the time. But this guy, this guy was in say, Europe for a year. You can't say, well, I don't care about that. that was whatever. Cause I mean, he it was in a lower division team on a lower division league that nobody cares about. But, you know, it, it, not even that. Like when he came back and he went and played in USL, he proved playing for Charlotte Independence. He is yeah. good enough to play in MLS. I'm sorry. He is good. And no, is he, is he the perfect talent? Is he going to be the beater, you know, world beater of everybody? No, absolutely not. But look, that kid absolutely has the capability on free kicks and set pieces late in a match to change a game. And there is zero reason you can't have that kid in that position on the bench to start the season. And then as he gets time and as he in practice proves to you that he's ready, Hey, Paulo Nagamura, I'm talking to you right now. When he is ready, that kid needs to fucking start. Because he has so much potential and promise as a set-piece guy that everything else that he does on the pitch, and, and trust me, I've seen him set the ball up in ridiculous opportunity in the run of play, just putting it on a guy's head from 70 yards outside the box. I mean, in, in just perfect, like perfection. You don't have that if you're not a talented player, if you don't have the capability as a player, and third, if you don't have the football IQ. So he's got all of that. That being said, there's not a player on this team outside of a Darwin Quintero or uh, a Ferreira at this point that should should be starting over him. And obviously, I'm talking midfielders and you know up the pitch. That's it. We'll see. I don't know. I, I, see, I got to see him in preseason. I won't argue that because I don't know. It passes the eye test, man, because fr- from the knees down, I'm like, oh, look, Jack Grealish is here. His calves are massive. Palomino's calves. The first time I, mean, I saw him, I was like, Jack, Yo. If Jack Grealish came to the Dynamo, your ass would be happy as hell. Don't lie. Oh, uh, Christian Erickson's available. Uh, Dad, not Dad anymore? Pat. No, no. He's, he's signed he's to, to Brentford. Brentwood or Brentford. Brentford. Yeah, Brentford. Okay. You know what? Uh, but One season or something. But, I mean, he's coming okay. off a major. You he know, died, bro. Thing. He died. He died five died. minutes on the pitch. 
five oh, minutes nice. on the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, people were like, bring him back to Spurs. I don't want him back. He wanted to leave. I, I'll be honest. I did want him back, but only because I know that he's one of those players like a Marcelo Palomino that he can fits come in at the end of a match. Need. He, he fits a need in that we don't have another set-piece guy other than Harry Kane, and you got to have somebody setting Harry Kane up, Dyer. especially late in matches. And who who was rocking no, no. The, Who was kicking? Sonny's little free kick at the top of Damon's. All right, Sonny is, Sonny is one can of take the best damn kick, players bro. in the world and one of the most underrated players in the world right now. Eric Dyer's underrated. Eric Dyer's underrated, but he's so also a limit. He's a limited player. He's a like He's a knobhead. Yeah, he is. He's, he's just, he, but, but I, he is exactly back. what he is, and he plays exactly who he is. Yeah, there, but yeah. you cannot expect anything more from him. Like he just—he's who he is. He's gonna do his thing. All right, here we. Last thing, you ready? <laughs> I've heard thing. this before. Yeah, I wrote it's. It's not. We still got to. Well, it's fucking nine o'clock. All right, I know. We just spent two fifty for an international spot from San Jose. Sure. Who's your pick? Like, what position do you take with that? I think it's either got to be attacking mid or an outside back. Right. It's got to be that. It's got to be that player. I, I, I don't think it's right center back because we still have Ethan Bartlow, who is our draft pick from last season, and he was considered to be the most MLS ready. He just got hurt, and he continued to be hurt. If he is hear. MLS, if he is MLS ready, then he slots in where Zarek, where you have Zarek slotting in. So you still need that right outside back, that right wing back. And I think that there's plenty of players out there that could fit that position. And here's the thing: if you find a guy that can serve the ball from that position, you're going to open up Ferreira even more. Because you're going to be able to get the ball to him in positions where he can turn and score, where he can beat players, you know, where he can just force defenders to make mistakes. Yeah. So if if you were Ted Siegel and Pat, mm-hmm. Pat Onstead walks in and he goes, Ted, I just got an international spot from mm-hmm. Houston, Houston Dynamo West, San Jose. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at bringing Mauro Minotis back. You're Ted nope. Siegel. What are you Not, at all. Say Not no. a chance in hell. He says no. Not a chance in hell. It makes your, it makes your it makes your five three two slash three five two work. Oh, it does, sure. but so does Thor. So, oh, and I'm not, not paying not anywhere. Like I'm not paying a damn. I'm not paying a transfer fee, and I'm definitely not paying a damn contract for Amara Minotis. Yeah, but you're getting quality. You're getting the known over the unknown. You're getting a player would, that can play and score versus Morrow, a, a guy Morrow that got pushed by a center back and laid no. down for ten minutes. <laughs> Morrow, hold up. Morrow, when Elise left, became nothing. That bitch could not score a damn goal for six months straight. I don't think any of us scored when at least. No, we, well, we re- it was, no, it wasn't that long. No, we had a couple of goals in there, but he he just didn't score. Period. It felt like everybody dropped off when Elise he was scored. on that. He was on that record pace, and then just dead. At least he still, he still has nothing. the he still has the dynamo. He does, and he only needed record. one goal to get it. Like for five months, he only needed one goal, and he couldn't get a single damn goal in that entire time. And I think he got it on a damn PK. It wasn't even like a pretty goal. It was like a PK. Ah, they count him for Sala and Fernandez. They do. They count him for Darwin Quintero too. But anyways, I digress. They count him for Fafa. Don't forget that either. So no but, for Mauro. I was speaking no of Fafa. Mauro. So he, here's he why. Here's back. why. Here's why. I think that money right now, that money in that international spot, spot, there's one position of need, I think in particular, that that honestly I feel like we are completely overlooking that to me might be the most important position on the pitch right now defensive mid our defensive mids are serviceable but you have to have a record at defensive mid this is why i don't want two defensive mids because if you get a guy like uh, a diego chara you get a guy that that is that caliber of player doesn't have to be tall you get a guy like an angola conte 
You yeah. get a guy, you know, a, a guy that like, he's like, like five, Eric eight, Dyer used to be tear shit up. You know, Eric Dyer used to be that guy at, at defensive mid. You know, you get a player like that that's just a destroyer of attacks coming, you know, counterattacks coming the other way. Doesn't matter as much how good your defenders are behind him. He's going to help you kill that momentum, and he's going to slow the game down in a in a proper way. I think Vera can be that to some extent, but not to the extent that we really need an MLS. And to be fair, 90% of your best teams out there, the one position that they always are willing to spend money on outside a striker is defensive midfield. Pat Onsega, go get us one Yama from Montreal. Pat, All right with us, that. Get us one. Fuck, I'd be fine with that. Oh there's, my God. there's a number of them out there. There's quite a few. I just, you, you know, know, and, and th- there are some that we don't even need to use an international slot for. Do you remember Wanyama's banger versus Liverpool? <laughs> I do. Corner. Yes, Holy I do. Yes. Shit. You, you know who has one that's similar to that is Darwin Sorrent. He has oh. a banger out of nowhere. But how many, like, just like Wanyama, how many goals did he actually score? Oh, Three not, that season? Not many. Not like many three, you know? Uh, but again, defensive midfielder, you're not looking for that. You're not looking for a goal score. You love it when they get that random goal every once in a while, but you don't yeah. care what their goal scoring number is. Or when their it comes to defensive mids, Ingolo Conte is, in he's, my the, mind, he's the, the you know, him or Tiago. Tiago is another great example, uh, you know, uh, of a player that uh, a player that's a killer and a destroyer at, at, at D mid. The thing is, if you do that, if you get that caliber of player, that type of guy that's a destroyer of, of counterattacks, a destroyer of attackers coming. If you get that caliber of player, it unlocks everybody else to push up on the pitch, to stay up on the pitch because they know they can give back, they can come back, all that good stuff, whatever. But they know that that guy's got it. They know they can trust that guy. And they know that if that guy gets into a position where he's got to make a decision, he's going to make the right decision. Right now, if it's Vera and a guy breaking away, I'm not sure I trust Vera to make that decision. I definitely don't trust Derek Jones to make that decision. So, yeah, I think DJ can get there, ma'am. But, you know, I just, when you say destroyer in the midfield, like, I'm like, man, what's the ideal face for a fucking midfield destroyer? Harry Winks. You know, you know who was, and he was right. I think right before your time was Juan uh, David Cabezas. And that was, I saw him. uh, I know who he is. Yeah, Dude, and, and he was a yeah. destroyer. He absolutely was. Like, he killed counterattack constantly. We traded him to. No, he just, he, he signed with RGV. We didn't trade him. Uh, he, he got injured. And are you sure? He, are you okay? Do you remember we signed Zahibo or we traded for Zahibo, right? Yeah, Zahibo. Mm-hmm. I thought we traded. I think it was an international slot and then we waved him or something like that. Yeah, he did. He appeared once, but all right, Sean, I want you to go ahead and uh, plug your show. We <laughs> oh, are, is it over? That it's was over? fucking, that was God, awkward. I haven't even had my cigarette. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, you can check me out. Generation Orange. Uh, we air sometimes, apparently now on Wednesdays. We're still deciding exactly when that's going to happen. Uh, stay tuned. You can check us out on Twitter at Gen Orange Radio. That's myself and Mark Segovia, my co-host. Uh, obviously, you know I'm available. If people want me to come on podcasts, just hit me up. I'll hop on when I can. How long have you guys been doing Generation Orange? Generation Orange has been around in two different forms for over ten years now. Oh, wow. uh, there's a whole story behind that. I'll have to come on sometime and tell you that story. Cause it's actually a really interesting story. Um, and there was a period where uh, just due to some things that happened uh, with one of the guys who was part of the show, uh, we kind of, those of us that were involved, we kind of just stopped. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a thing that was going to go on any longer. And uh, a number of years passed and, and there was just an opportunity. I was looking to bring a show 
back because I had an itch to get back into covering the dynamo. And um, at the time it was Edson uh, who uh, used to do the peel. Now he's back with RGV doing down in the Valley writes for the striker. Uh, he actually lived with me in my apartment for a while um, when he was here in Houston. And uh, so we started up the show and we called it, you know, we were looking for a name to call it. And I reached out to a couple of the guys that were part of the show originally. And I said, Hey guys, as a tribute to this guy, I'd really love to use that name. You know, do you guys, are you guys okay with that? And yeah, they were on board for it. So I, you know, picked up the name I've, I've, you know, started to brand it and everything like that. And then after a year, Edson moved on to go do the peel and other stuff. And then I, Mark came along and I said, Hey, let's do it. We had good following. And so, you know, yeah, 10 plus years, it's been around for a while. So you've been, man. Okay. So you've been doing this 10 plus years. How many, and you, you have, I started, I started, here you go. I started with dynamo theory in 2007. I was a writer for dynamo theory. In so, 2007. so they were around back then still. We had one of the best communities for all of Texas sport teams out or all of Houston sport teams outside of the, the other team that had a good one at that point was already uh, the Texans because they had the battle red blog, but dynamo theory at the time was booming. Uh, it was not unusual to get hundreds of comments on a post. We had we had multiple game threads that hit 700 to 800 comments in a single game. Now we're at like 40. Yeah, <laughs> it's, this, it's, a different, this, it's a different era. It's a different era. Yeah, and it's it's hurting my bottom line, man, because this is this is my money maker. Uh, so how many how many podcast creators have you seen come and go in 10 years? God, at least 15, 20, 25, 30. Wow. I mean, I, I couldn't put a number on it. It's it's been a large number. There was a time uh, Hal Kaiser, who was part of the original Generation Orange podcast, he did keeper notes. He did. We did one for Orange in the Oven, which was the uh, the kind of successor over at Fan Sided uh, for Dynamo Theory. Uh, God, what else did he? He did something else too. Uh, uh, keeper notes. That was the other one. And then he no, that was it. Keeper notes. Uh, and he was with Keeper notes for a while, and then he backed off because he had just had life stuff that came up. Um, I've seen. Uh, God, I've seen the Peel. Uh, they're still going but it's so rare that they actually put out a show now. I think, uh, you know, there's obviously Dynapod, you guys, um, you've got, uh, got yeah, noodle keeping time, tabs, but keeping tabs, keep a tab. Yeah. I, I can't find his show. Colin, if you can fucking hear this, <laughs> I have looked for your show and I cannot find, and I'm not, I'm tech savvy ish. I can do this. I can fucking record a podcast. You know what we need? I can't this find is, him. This is serious. And I can't believe I'm about to say this on air. Cause this really shouldn't be on air, but you know what we need is, a, is like a Houston media group, like, you know, coverage guys podcast. We just need our own Discord server. We could share our own, you know, our own links to our, our, our different stuff. We can talk in there together when we have stuff that pops up, news or whatever. Yeah, maybe yeah, I, no. Maybe I'll set one of those up. <laughs> yeah, man. I made that. I don't know if you're on it. The Houston Dynamo podcast list on Twitter. I made one of those. I saw that. I saw that. And there's, I'm on there. Man, I don't even like, I don't know what's been going on like lately, but like my followers were pretty like uh even keel i guess like not up mm -hmm. and down same shit and then all of a sudden there's like 40 or 50 it's like i have no idea what happened i did start arguing with the dudes from austin that did that's happen. that's why yeah that's why yeah i I've, I've learned when it comes to uh you know what we'll, we'll talk about this offline <laughs> we need to talk about this yeah. on the show but right. uh, uh yeah i mean to answer your question i've seen so many come and go i've been part of a number of them that have come and gone uh you know just the numbers are staggering. And, and a lot of times somebody will get involved with somebody else's podcast to help them out or whatever. And then they'll take it over because the other guy just doesn't have time. You know, I think a lot of that is just there, there's a couple of things. Number one, we're not paid to do any of this. It's just a labor of love. And number two, life is a bitch sometimes. And it's difficult to do this week after, especially when the team sucks. 
You know, I, that's what I like about it. Because if you listen to <laughs> what I fucking say, um, if I don't do this, like I will fucking self-destruct. Like I, I can't, I need something to do because the shit that I say on there, I don't make it up. Like I've made up one story in fucking 84 episodes. Like if I don't have this and like something to do, man, like I, I have to, it's, it's free therapy, man. For me to do what I do and say what I say would cost me $50 an hour in most places. I don't even get a happy ending with that one. <laughs> I just get a fucking prescription. Uh, but yeah, man, I mean, that's been it, dude. Hey, thank you for coming on. We'll have to do this again sometime. This time fucking flew. Hopefully it's saved to the cloud, right? Uh, this is the Houston Dynapod podcast. I'm your host, Finister. And as always, go Dynamo. The lease is going to get there. There's no question. He squares it. There it is. It's another. And it's Bubba Rodriguez again, scoring goals left and right. Elise with the assist. Big shout out to my favorite band, Familiar with Failure, for the introductory music. You can find them at FWFTX on all social media platforms. Once again, that's familiar with failure. Check them out. Badass band. Cool ass people.